0: This is Naomi. I hope everyone's doing well out there, staying safe, being happy, enjoying each other's isolated company. We have an amazing show coming up with one half of the animated duo from the 90s, Prozac. Simon and Milo were the duo, and Milo, James Bryan, is going to be on the podcast today. We're going to start a new feature as well, and I'm going to kick it off right now where you get the chance to vote all week For your favorite song by the featured artist. You get to pick between three tracks and which one you like the best and then we'll share the results on the next episode. So we'll be starting with three songs from Prozac. Here they are. Number one, it's not me, it's you.
1: all the way that stephanie said to me Characy. it's not me it's you
0: number two sucks to be you <laughs> Number three in our poll is going to be www.nevergetoveryou.
1: W-w-w-dot. Incoming contact. W-w-dot. User is online. I got your email. disgruntled female. Every detail.
0: Those are our top three songs that you guys are going to be voting for. Go to Twitter and look up Nostalgia Dope. Give us a follow and vote for your number one Prozac song from those three choices. Next week, we will unveil the winner. And now we're going to share an interview with James Bryan, who is Milo in Prozac. But first. Oh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia Moments!
2: Oh. oh.
1: Yes, Milo. What is it?
2: Miss, it seems that my friend and musical partner Simon has fallen ill. Please allow me to take him to the school, nurse.
1: Of course you can, Milo, but make it quick. Um. Tell me, Simon, what seems to be the problem? A little sexual frustration Combined with lack of motivation And a loss of concentration I got a strange disease can't concentrate on
0: Prozac, also known as Simon and Milo, were a Canadian pop music duo that consisted of Jay Levine and James Bryan McCollum. Their recordings and animated music videos told the tale of two friends, Simon and Milo, who are in search of their true love. The band received four Juno Award nominations during their tenor. From their formation to 2016, Prozac was among the top 80 best-selling Canadian artists in Canada. In 2019, Prozac announced that they were disbanding and played their final show on November 30th, 2019. In the 1990s, Levine and McCollum were both members of the Philosopher Kings, a Canadian R&B band. After a physical altercation between them, they attempted to smooth things over by writing music together. While well, on a European tour with the Kings, the two created a comedic song called Europa, in which they sang in a British accent. The song didn't fit with the Philosopher Kings, but the band's record company, Sony, approved of it. So the two set aside their differences and created Prozac in 1998. The band name was inspired by the drug Prozac. First album, Hot Show, was released... In late 1998, the album featured the hit singles Sucks to Be You and Strange Disease and was certified triple platinum in Canada. Prozac was nominated for Best New Group at the 2000 Juno Awards as well as being nominated for Best Album, Best Single, Best Video. And in 2000, Levine and McCollum wrote and produced several songs for Canadian pop group Before Four, including their hit song "Get Down." In late 2000, Prozac released their second album, Saturday People, on Epic Records. The album included the singles "W.W." Did I say enough W's? <laughs> "W.W.W." Never get over you, and "Be As." The album was certified gold in Canada and nominated for Best Pop Album at the 2002 Juno Awards. There's some background history on the amazing start and career of Prozac. We're now going to talk to James Bryan, and he's going to tell you the rest.
1: You know, Milo, that girl really hurt me. But now I know just how Tamara felt when I treated her the exact same way.
2: I'm a bastard. Don't be so hard on yourself, Simon. Come on, let me buy you a milkshake.
0: Going back to the beginning... Um, tell me about for Prozac your character story, the story of uh, Simon and Milo.
2: Okay, Simon and Milo. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. But it's actually, I think, if I'm gonna talk about Simon and Milo, you got to go back to uh, me and Jay, um, uh, Jay Levine, my Prozac partner, because yeah, the whole story and legend of Simon and Milo kind of came out of our relationship. And I uh, was born out of a fist fight, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's it's led, stuff of legend now. But yeah, it was literally a five-second fight. I, um, I'm embarrassed to say now. Yeah, I, I gave him a left hook. And uh, I think he'll admit that he deserved it now. But yeah, <laughs> it's basically, yeah, so, you know, we were always polar opposites in the philosopher kings, and he 's the one person that knew how to push buttons that no one else could push because <laughs> I think most and uh, and that 's kind of like the flip side you know that was kind of where our relationship was uh, in the philosopher kings and then after that that fight, we kind of really had to figure out how we could move forward with the kings and and as cheesy as it sounds, we got together and wrote a song, and that's how Prozac was born.
0: Wow. So yeah, yeah, you really do have to go way further back, I would say, even to maybe the inception of Philosopher Kings. Um, what? Um, yeah, when did you guys start, and how did you, uh, how did you um, build up the band?
2: So, uh, well, there's two brothers in the band, John Levine, like the main, uh main lyricist, and the great Piano player, Mm -hmm. and Jay Levine um, played bass and went on to become Simon, and uh, yeah, Um, and so they, I think in high school they went they went to high school with uh, Gerald Eaton, who has since become known as Jarvis Church, Mm -hmm. Uh, lead singer, and uh, and uh, other guitarist in the band Brian West. Um, and they so they actually knew each other in high school, uh, and had there was a cover band. I think that three of them, Brian maybe wasn't in the cover band, but it started with a band called Sweatfish and the Architects of Rhythm, ah. which I which was shockingly bad. <laughs> but then you know the Philosopher Kings also you could say that's that's not the the easiest name to call a band, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. So they anyway, but I didn't meet them till uh, till I was I was at U of T at university. I was in music program and John was there and he was in the jazz program and I was in the classical guitar program actually when we met um, and ended up becoming friends and like all of my friends ended up being in the jazz program at that time. So after like the first year, I realized I wasn't cut out for a life as a solo classical guitarist. Um, You know, I always wanted to be like more. I wanted to be a rock star, and, yeah. and jazz was at least a little step more fun, you know, away from the classical thing. So I joined the jazz program at University of Toronto, and, and um, was and so John and I were hanging out, and he would tell me about oh yeah, there's this you know, you know we there's this band we're trying to put together, um, and then. And you know they were looking for you know maybe he mentioned yeah they would want an a guitarist, and so of course I was up for that. And they also needed to audition a drummer because they didn't have a drummer. So they would just kind of do it, it was more of a studio uh, experiment at the time, or like basement studio experiment in Brian's basement, I think. Um, so anyway, and then the drummer Craig Hunter was also at UT. And he and I were like in the big band together. And, you know, I, he was a typical, amazing drummer. Like a very strange personality, but, <laughs> but a killer drummer. And um, so, yeah, basically I, I think, I think maybe I did my audition first. And then it's like, then I suggested they try checking out Craig. And that was basically it. Once we all got together, um, yeah, then, then we kind of just, started rehearsing eight-hour days in the basement of uh, um, the residence where Craig was staying at UT. Mm -hmm. So, Do you find, like, from
0: being in a jazz program for for music school, um, do you find that the music Philosopher Kings performed was very jazz-influenced because of that, or do you feel, like, uh, differently about it? Because I know definitely when, when you do pop rock after going to school for jazz, sometimes... I don't know if I would say there's a music snobbery about it, but I've kind of felt like that. I went to a a jazz music program and whenever I tried to. Oh, really? Where did you go? Grant McEwen. I took one semester of the music program there. Cool. In Edmonton. I'm based out of Edmonton.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Cool. I didn't even ask. That's true. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Got rid of me. Okay. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, we've played at Grant McEwen uh, definitely over the years.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. You know what? Snobbery. Well, think about it. We call the band the Philosopher Kings, so I think we we are embracing the snob thing, <laughs> and that's yeah, it's so funny. That's um, you know, we we were trying to be on the one hand kind of rebel. We were rebelling from whatever jazz was because we knew we didn't want to just be jazz musicians, but we did love you know a lot of classics and we loved improvising and and kind of you know some of the classics like Miles Davis, kind of John Coltrane, and you know, that we had, yeah. we all kind of uh, admired that stuff and wanted to bring a little bit of that in. Yeah. Um, but at the time, there was like the acid jazz wave in the mid 90s was happening. And yeah. so I think we were definitely like, I personally, you know, was really into that, you know, loved brand new heavies and all kinds of the Jameer call. Wow, obviously it was, was like awesome. Yeah. Um And we were able, yeah, eventually I, we did a show with them and um Yeah, but anyway, so I was like really into that. So we brought that influence for sure into the band. And the funny thing was, though, like we were totally out in left field of whatever was happening. Because it was was all grunge. It was like the 90s. It was Nirvana and, you know, everything else, uh, you know, Pearl Jam and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so we were like totally the odd band out. So I think as far as a record like once we got a record deal and everything they must have been thinking well at least we can put them in that as the jazz box mm-hmm. or something <laughs> like i've got it's got to be the only thing that were marketable, marketable angle they had i think at the time
0: yeah it's hard when you're doing something that's unique to the situation in the current music scene right and how first of all like what radio station do we play you on
2: well that was you know what that was something we were aware of like straight off like we we knew we didn't fit in first of all in canadian radio at the time was really rock centric like at that time i mean there was and pop i mean there was you know there was celine dion and stuff but honestly i think you know most canadians for sure like rock was the cool thing at that time you know Mm. so
0: um
2: it's a funny thing to
0: say nowadays isn't it
2: (laughs) i know it's well definitely dates yeah, put this in a, a different, different decade. Yeah, exactly. It's like my yeah. I have two um, teenage boys, well, teen and tween, and it's like they cannot stand to hear like uh, distorted electric guitars. They just like do not get it. <laughs> so it's all all hip hop all day. But yeah, yeah. So when we so when the Philosopher Kings came out, we were kind of like I think we em- embraced. We knew we were kind of like against all the odds, and uh, you know, definitely against whatever the mainstream thing at the moment was with the grunge. Mm-hmm. And so on one hand you know we wanted to we wanted to be big we wanted to break big internationally but we totally were like not willing to compromise our vision of of what we were. Um, so which ended up you know obviously being frustrating for everyone involved. <laughs>
0: no but I think it's a wonderful thing that you went into it with a total game plan of who you are. And, uh, you know, I, don't, I think that's necessary to, to make it if you're not sure of who you are and what you represent,
2: right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, now it's like, you know, looking back 20 years ago, I, like that's something I would totally admire about us, you know, that we had the, the balls to kind of just stand our ground and, and you know, say this is, now it's cool to be doing jazz, influence, pop, soul. hmm music (laughs) um but really i I think we didn't even really i don't think we had like a totally clear idea of what exact style we were doing we just knew that you know it was it was whatever came naturally when we all got together and we brought a bunch of different influences together so yeah i mean nowadays it's like you know that's there's so much freedom to mix genres and it's like every every genre is available to everyone all the time. So um, yeah, it was, seemed like a lot different at the time. So we had to kind of, our game plan really was just to win our fans over like one at a time by touring across the country. And that's kind of what we did.
0: Yeah, like, and the thing is now, you we have the fact that you can market yourself now. You don't just rely on a record company. You can make your own thing through the internet, your YouTube channels that's something that would have been really beneficial for the philosopher kings at the time but i think like prozac were you able to embrace the internet a little bit more because it was later
2: well prozac i mean everything about that project was just like the right thing at the right time mm. and yeah i don't know like a couple of years before that would have worked i don't i don't before no cuz i don't think cuz the internet was like not widespread um yeah like when Prozac came to being uh like 1998 and the album came out in 99 like that was the height of videos on much music where everyone in the country was watching mm. and so it was like the perfect project you know that was totally visual driven um we are also like at that time uh we were with Sony Music and they had just kind of set up uh the Called that new media department <laughs> that was basically everything online mm-hmm. um so and it was they were actually did a great job of hiring like really talented young creative um people and there was that the head of the department Jen Hollett was a total Prozac fan like she just got it from <laughs> the get-go and everyone in the department I guess it turns out they were more a demographic kind of what they were into um like anime and cosplay and 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 all that kind of stuff cool. so they just totally got it right off the bat and so basically like with their support and same with the the video department um it was also run by like a like super young uh and very talented uh, creative director so I was uh, Mark Lestraco and mm-hmm. he ended up like co-directing all the videos with us he you know put he's just like went way above and beyond kind of the nine to five expectations of the role um, mm-hmm. for the project. So anyway, with that, like, that was inside the company. All those things were happening at the right time, at the right place. Then the other thing was Sony music. um was just like really successful at the time. off the back of uh, Celine Dion. And so literally like every time, like this is the, you know, when we got signed and then with the Kings and uh, kind of, and Every time we got together, like labels would still take you out for dinner. They would still throw these ridiculous, um, like promotional parties, like wasting tons of money. They would never ever do that now. But every time, (laughs) all the the, like the president would like toast, we'd all toast Celine because we all knew she was paying, you know, funding all that. So, um, so we have to thank Celine. We gotta thank Celine Dion because otherwise Prozac wouldn't have had kind of that level of support behind it to make all those animated videos so it was a lot of stuff coming together
0: so obviously it started between an argument a fight you guys had um and how did this become an outlet for the two of you how did you decide hey we're gonna we're gonna create these characters it
2: was it's funny yeah well okay well first of all simon was an, it was a, came out of this impression that jay would do on the tour bus during the Philosopher Kings tours. Like Jay has a great, very funny sense of humor mm. uh, and he's great at impressions, but he also can be super, super cutting. And especially, and if you were like on the receiving end of that, which I felt I was, maybe I, I was a little too sensitive. <laughs> uh, definitely, yeah, it wasn't so funny when, when when you were the butt of the joke. But he had this character, which was kind of just uh, kind of an aging British rock star that, that's, you know, kind of unlucky in love and, and, and hopelessly romantic at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and really, it was based on how he felt and how he was, you know, going through life. Like, he, Jay definitely was not in any long-term relationship um, at that point. Like, you know, he was definitely living the kind of, you know, rock and roll cliche of the time mm-hmm. of... Uh, you know whatever he met, met a lot of people, so um, and he wasn 't really that happy I mean he 'll be the first to admit it, so that character of Simon kind of allowed him to express that part of himself like in a way that was really comfortable for him mm-hmm. and so anyway that was that 's how Simon happened, um, so you know after we had this fight, basically, like I said, we went into the studio. Um, and said, "Well, okay, if we're gonna, we had because we had we were in the middle of a tour. We had more tour dates for the philosopher Kings to do, so we had to work it out. Um, and we actually written a couple songs for the Foster Kings prior to that. And uh, I think I knew and he knew like that we had something special creatively, but we just because we were so like absolutely couldn't stand to be in the same room otherwise. Like, and we were in, we were always together with the philosopher Kings, so um, <laughs> we just did, like we didn't pursue it before then." So now we like, we're forced to to do it again in order to you know try to overcome uh, you know the fight and all those feelings. So yeah, we ended up writing the song Europa, and we're pitching it for the band Ace of Base. You know, I saw the sign and all that. Like oh. we, uh, yeah, that was how it started. So we, so we wrote the song Europa, and Jay decided to sing it with that accent, this British, kind of fake British accent, in that character. That he had, uh, he'd always kind of brought out on the tour bus, and the A and R guy, Sony, um, because we were actually writing in the studio there. Um, you know, he passed by and was like, "What is that?" He's like, he "Love that song." And uh, he's like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know." He's like, "Well, can you do a whole album?" We're like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and literally, like that's how it started. Like, you know, we had, you know, Mike Roth was uh, the head of A and R at Sony at the time. And yeah, he was a massive supporter of the idea. And so anyway, that's how, that's how the project started. And then from there, Jay, you know, was not comfortable, like kind of performing as a front man with a fake accent. He thought it would like, that would be weird and he'd be uncomfortable. And, and it, it would make the whole thing seem more like a joke instead of just kind of ironic. and mm. um, So, Anyway, so then we, we came up with the idea of, well, what if it's not us? What if it's characters? Um, and this was before the gorillas, I have to say. <laughs> Just <laughs> shortly before the gorillas blew up, we had our, our moment with that first album.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Because when I was talking to a friend last night, we were mentioned, and I was saying I was going to be chatting with you. They actually asked me, which would have come first?
2: The gorillas. The chicken or the egg? It's the eternal <laughs> question. Yeah. Well, for the record, like we definitely like the gorillas came out after Hot Show and kind of mm-hmm. come out and it was big. I mean, I have I doubt that they were influenced by Prozac. I mean, I guess it's possible, but. Right? Um, I mean, but I also feel I think- like
0: Blur was still quite successful at the time. than like,
2: oh yeah. So I mean, I don't
0: think Damon Alburn was doing Gorillas until much after.
2: Yeah, well, it was a little bit later that they, they came out. I mean, when they came out, I mean, they blew us out of the water, <laughs> Like on, as far as reaching on a global level that, that, you know, that we wanted to. After these messages, we we'll be right back.
0: Podcasting is so much fun, but it's kind of expensive too. we got to pay for stuff like licensing fees, hosting fees, long distance phone calls, etc, etc. You get the drill? Okay. Well, we have a new thing called Patreon. Now, Dope Nostalgia has a Patreon account where you can subscribe to premium content. And what that means for you is for the very low starting price of $1 a month, you'll be able to get the podcast two days in advance of the regular release not only that three dollars a month you get exclusive video content just for you guys to check out bonus stuff all the time that you don't get with the regular show so check it out patreon.com slash dope nostalgia become a subscriber today and get all the good perks
1: Dan, Dan, yo, 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 what do you know? We got TV's hype it's video show, Fresh It in the Flesh. The best videos a week to make you freak. It's a hit list. Mm-hmm. I'll be eyeballing for you on the hit list. Choose the best, forget the rest. Saturdays at six. On YTV.
0: Who did the animation? You said it was somebody that put it together for. The-
2: well, we, were, like I said. Well, there's a, I mean, a lot of people, we did, this is like cell animation, first of all. So it's like yeah. before computer animation, we actually had, you know, hundreds, hundreds of people in South Korea, you know, doing the cell animation and then sending it back to an office in LA and then working on it and then sending it back to an office in Toronto. And that's where the head offices company was. It was called uh, Animation House.
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: uh, Anne Murray, famous Canadian singer it was actually a part owner of the company oh. um but yeah that's that was a production company that we did all those videos with and we just again like we just loved i loved the look of it it reminded me like really retro kind of scooby-doo kind of cartoons
0: i was gonna say what does it um, feel like to have those come back when when they're all done and watch them
2: like what is, it was the coolest thing. Surreal. I have to say, it was, it was totally magic. It's totally surreal. I mean, Prozac is surreal it's, and it's magical. And, mm. uh, and every aspect of it has, has been. So that was a totally uh, a bizarre feeling. It was pretty awesome.
0: Um, you guys, like but, the image was the image was so cool and people just fell in love with it and now the, the actual um, look of the characters were they created by you guys personally or did uh...
2: no, i was yeah actually i was just about to say i hadn't really fully answered the question because the characters themselves like jay and i were involved in, in kind of everything about the characters how they would look and you know simon would have no neck and it would go back and forth but the actual character design was made by a friend of a friend of ours his name was scott harter mm. um, and he was yeah super talented illustrator um and so we worked with him just on the character design for you know before hot show came out and tragically he uh, died of like uh, a heart heart disease that he had that you know no one was aware of beforehand he just died suddenly and he actually didn't get to see the project get released and have success the way it did which you know i was uh, i really wish he had been able to, to experience that because we, they would not be here without him, so that's thanks to Scott Harder. But as far as the uh, the characters, like like I said, we worked with Mark Lestraco over at Sony Music um, on kind of the script, you know, developing each each action. You know, like the shot list and everything, but Jay and I would just sit for hours and write out the story, the you know, and the shot list. Eventually, you know, so we were we were like heavily involved in in all the creative aspects.
0: Hmm. Um, how much control did you have over that project? Did the, or did the record label have oh, quite a bit?
2: No, well, like I said, it was. I gotta give Sony and Celine Dion again credit mm-hmm. because they really let us have free creative reign. I mean, like uh, from, like I said, the A&R, uh, Mike Roth really just trusted Jay and I. He thought, you know, we were writing super catchy songs. He totally thought that, that it should do well. So yeah, there wasn't, I mean, let me think. Cause I, definitely like in the most projects, like at Philosopher Kings, there's always been that moment where, you know, even if we had creative freedom for 90% of the record, you know, you come to the 11th hour and the label's like, okay guys, it's good, but we need one more hit. (laughs) Just one more hit. And, um, you know, I think, I remember that moment came actually, and that's how we. I mean, I think Mike wrote, you know, he had let us run free totally and it it did well. And I think he had that moment, but you know, what came out of that was actually our version of Wild Thing, Mm. which was, not and it wasn't a hit like we did a video for it and you know did all right but um it wasn't sucks for you in the instance of prozac actually that was one that jay and i knew as soon as we came up with it we were like guys this is a single and nobody else got it so that was a fight that was a total uphill battle at the label and we would literally be in there like every day talking to marketing talking to creative talking to the president just you know you got to give this song a chance this is the one and eventually, they agreed, they caged, and, you know, thank God, we, we pushed for that one.
0: Wow. So how did you do your live shows? Like, how, how, how was the, um, the setup for that?
2: Yeah, well, like, like I said, everything with Prozac was just like, we're, try, we're trying to push the envelope, I think, uh, on every kind of level. Um, whether it was our website, you know, that ended up winning you know, the best website at South by Southwest, which is probably not, (laughs) definitely not a thing anymore. Mm. Um, to like, you know, obviously the music and, and creating the videos, but so for the live show, you know, we knew we wanted to do something different. First of all, Jay was not comfortable, like I said, performing as a character really and showing his face at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, so we said well and we also had this idea well wouldn't it be great if we could just sit at home and the characters go and tour the world you know yeah. um and so that was always kind of our that was our first vision so we created just like a video show since we, we, sony you know invested in like we kind of did nine or we did almost a video for almost every song on a hot show so we had the material to kind of put together a cool live show and the first gig we got uh, so it was just going to be the characters on a screen with some lasers, which I pushed for. I'm a Big fan of the lasers. Nice. <laughs> and um, so the first gig was at Canada's Wonderland. Uh, if you remember Kingswood Theater they had there, we were opening for Destiny's Child. This is pre-Beyonce. Beyonce. Which yeah. just Part of Destiny's Child, um, and that was our first gig, and it was the coolest thing because Jay and I were in the audience uh, when the th- when when the show came on, just like looking around. Nobody knew who we were. And we had no idea if people were gonna like it, if they're gonna be bored, if they're gonna like throw stuff at the screen. Uh and pretty much like after about a minute, like the longest minute of my life, I was just looking around to see if people would react. Eventually people just like totally jumped up and down, got into it and they were ready to party. So it was working and yeah, like it went off, you know, in a big way. And after that, we did the same kind of video show at uh, World Electronic Music Festival, Mm -hmm. (laughs) WIMF. Yeah, which was happening at the time, you know, big tons of DJs. And it was at Sable Beach um, that summer. Mm -hmm. And again, and that was like bigger crowd. And it worked, you know, just with the, the characters. And so anyway, we would have been happy to just keep rolling like that, really, except suddenly the project started to get more and more successful like um and fans started to keep asking oh what do you guys look like and what are you gonna play live i everything and to be fair i love performing so for me you know i was ready to i I, my vote was to do a live show from the get-go because i just love being on stage playing guitar and everything Mm -hmm. um but jay like i said took him a long time to come around to it so eventually though I think there was enough kind of momentum and maybe he kind of built, got over the insecurity. They're like, Oh, well, okay. People actually want to see, see this. And the project is a real thing now. So, so we did it. But that being said, uh, so when we did get on stage, we still had the video screen and this is how we you know performed up until like last, last uh, fall as well. We got the video screen behind us and Jay and I are kind of more like just, the creators, like we were dressed a little more low key, um, you know, mm-hmm. he's not jumping around a lot. Um, and then we had, initially we had a DJ, DJ Felicia um, with us and we had a drummer from the Philosopher Kings, Denton Whited, who, mm-hmm. who ended up being the drummer for most of the career of the Philosopher Kings. Um, so he played the drums, which was actually super challenging because every song was, so fast. It was like 160 BPM. And, but um, anyway, so that's how we presented the thing. And basically I wanted it to be as close to like a KISS show, you know, the band KISS. That was my first kind of uh, rock band that I loved when I was a kid. And so I wanted to have like, we need to have pyro. Of course we had the lasers. We got, you know, so but we had an incredible light show we put together. We had crazy pyro. uh, And we, put this thing together for a stadium well yeah it was like an arena tour i guess not stadium Mm -hmm. but arena tour across canada and it was awesome
0: that is awesome and you guys just well you did before i go there i should ask you about the international uh touring how much did you do outside of
2: canada so prozac you know was massive in canada that's from that time um but in, it was minorly successful in the States. Like we had, like Sucks to Be was number two on MTV, I think MTV2, not even MTV1. Um, so, you know, people knew about it, but it wasn't like a, a thing. Um, but we did get signed, after we did two records with Sony, um, Disney was interested in signing us, and uh, as well as we, had, we were interested in developing like an animated show. and so you know that gave us yeah so uh, that was like 2002 we started working with them so anyway we did um yeah so we were in the states and you know the whole disney experience ended up being totally wrong for the project um from the music like literally like they want they didn't want to use the name prozac like, they wanted to sign us, uh, you know, we we're our biggest hit was Sucks to Be You, but they, so they wanted us to change our name because Prozac, you, you know, we didn't want to get sued by Pfizer. Aww. And they they said, they literally, like, we were talking about the single, so they're like, well, yeah, I think we should probably do Sucks to Be You. I was like, yeah, that was like our biggest hit so far. And they're like, yeah, but can you change the lyric? Can we not say sucks? <laughs> I'm like, what? Jeez. Like, it's nice to be you, like what? I mean, um, anyway, so that that, there was like totally there was a lot of instances where we knew this was not right and so when we started developing the tv show like we would literally fly down over a course of a year like every two weeks or once a month we'd be flying back and forth to la for all these creative meetings and uh putting together a pilot and in the end the pilot was just so watered down and way too like all the edge that we had in the project was totally worn off um because it was disney and they didn't and the world was different they didn't have adult swim and you know this pre family guy and all that stuff right south park and yeah Uh. so anyway so we did so on to to answer your question we did a couple of shows oh yeah we this is cool we decided to present like kind of go back to our original idea where we didn't have to tour Um, for the states so for the disney thing especially since it was called simon and milo and jay and i were kind of getting turned off of how they were handling everything so basically we found another simon and a milo
1: and Mm. trained them
2: uh yeah there's there's these two guys it was jeremy and uh, clifton uh, uh david broadbridge great guitarist by the way um Anyway, so we, did, we auditioned a bunch of people in Toronto and like you know, Jeremy looked kind of like Simon. He was an actor mm. in music theater and uh, Clifton was just a killer guitarist and he was kind of much more you know, muscular and taller than I was. So he, you know, we, we had gotten to dye his hair blonde. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we basically, they went out and uh, were ready to do a tour. And the first date was actually at SeaWorld. <laughs> In uh, Phoenix, Arizona, like where Shamu is, I think, yep. <laughs> famous.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So it was, anyway, so, and that's, so Jay and I showed up at our own show at SeaWorld, and it was so Spinal Tap because they put the band on literally like at 3 p.m. in between Shamu's next show and like a puppet show or like literally. <laughs> so it was so wrong. Oh. Anyway. So yeah, so we didn't, and outside of that, uh, you know, we had some radio success in Spain and Turkey and uh, Israel, I think. But yeah, so very random kind of spattering of places that got the project, but we never toured anywhere else.
1: The politics of nations got me down. Geography and policy have run me out of town seems like worldly things have come between us now but I've got the will and if there's a way I'll get to you somehow you oh my father I really wanna see you
0: Um, what are your favorite memories from doing performances at, like, Much Music and such? What what kind of things did you get to do with Much? Were you involved in the MNBA? At Much.
2: Yeah. Well, that was definitely the coolest moment um, when we put out our second album, Hot Sh- uh, sorry, Saturday People. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, that year we got- We were up for, I don't know, a bunch of- We were nominated a bunch of times for um, NMBAs. So we got to perform. And again, we- this is when we had the full experience where we were on stage with the, you know, with Felicia and the drummer Denton and the characters and Pyro. And it was awesome. And I remember mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette was like in the front row when we were about to play her and like Sarah McLaughlin And they were just like totally not looking impressed. Really? <laughs> but, uh, <Aww. laughs> but we, no, it, yeah. Beyond that, it was awesome. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're having fun. I don't know. But, um, it was a great moment. Yeah, like that was definitely the funnest TV moment. And the other one was much, like we had a lot of, we were on Much Music a lot with the for Kings like in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, like Michael Williams was like an early supporter. Master T was like a real big supporter. I love um, him. Yeah. Yeah. i yeah, tell you, he's so awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, but... We actually created like we, there was a kind of a fabricated media event when we delivered the first Prozac video. This tells you again like how much more money was was kind of just around in the in the labels at the time. Mm-hmm. So we convinced Sony to rent uh, a big stretch limo, like a white stretch limo, that we you know we were either going to be in or who knows what they thought, but they thought someone important was going to be in there. Uh, and basically it was, that was basically who was delivering the video to Much. And we hired like a school bus of kids, literally, like from, I think it was Jay's cousin's school or something. Mm-hmm. And they came down just to kind of create a scene on Queen Street. So, you know, cause at the time Much Music had that, you know, the, the window right there where you'd shoot and, you know, people could just be right outside oh, for the yeah. shooting, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, so when we delivered the first video, there was this massive street scene that, and again, like no one had thought of doing something so bizarre before just to deliver the video. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah, so that was pretty cool. I and
0: mean, it makes me miss much music so much. It was such a huge part of our childhood.
2: Like- Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I mean, again, as a musician, it was great to just have that kind of environment where you go in and and it really felt creative and there's so much energy and, you know, a lot of cool things happening and, you know, and you'd run into other bands who were performing like when you go get there. Mm -hmm. I know it was just like a real hang. Like, you know, there's nothing like that now. It's like now you basically, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're lucky, you wake up at five in the morning to do like global morning TV show where you're... You know, (laughs) it's not, it's a different world.
0: Not the same at all. I I was speaking to a band member from a group here from Calgary called The Earth Tones. um, And they were telling me that when you went to much music back in the day, they were just singing outside and saying for uh, Monica Diol.
2: Oh, no way. And Monica just
0: invited them in. And after that, they got to do all kinds of much stuff because the people there were so supportive. You know.
2: Yeah, like that's awesome. Like that that's the kind of thing I was saying. The environment was just so open and like totally positive, really. It felt like yeah, definitely like that was the epicenter of whatever was happening.
0: What's the most scandalous story you can tell from those days? Is it? No, I was wondering what your most scandalous story oh.
2: <laughs> <is it? laughs> I know I, I know like, there's what? limits
0: of what you can share, but you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, scandal. Like, uh, I mean, for Prozac, honestly, like, the biggest scandal for me was how it started with that fistfight, just because I never fought anyone else since I was, like, you know, seven years old. Um, and we kind of had to, it took years to kind of work that out with our relationship with Jay. It was, um, but for him, yeah. Yeah, lots and lots of scandals. Well definitely, I mean, Simon had his share of scandalous affairs. Milo as a character, uh, you know, is pretty kinky and <laughs> lots of scandals, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean for me I was like I was already with, with my wife. I've been together like twenty four years almost now. Oh, Jay nice congrats. Jay Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so so yeah, I don't know about big scandals. I don't know. Maybe I'll come back to that one.
0: That's fair. Um, one of the things that I remember standing out for me was the song um, I think it's www.nevergetoveryou, over you, isn't it? With the ICQ. Uh-oh.
2: Yes. You got it.
0: <laughs> right. I love that so much. Now I think these kids now don't know about ICQ.
2: But it was Well the, ki- the kids don't, but at the time it was like that was what was happening at that moment right so yeah. we just wanted to throw it in it was like it, that was just kind of becoming popular at the time um and yeah now our fans like so many of our fans like just love that kind of reference it like, was so mm-hmm. specific at that time
1: True. yeah like, so at our
2: live shows like people yeah i love that
0: did the company icq ever say anything to you guys about it Like the creators of that company?
2: No, no, they didn't stay. I don't think, again, I I guess we weren't quite big enough to get sued. That was something we were always hoping for. (laughs) We knew we'd really (laughs) made it if we got sued by Pfizer, like for Prozac, or, yeah, ICQ would come after us. So, yeah, that's actually my, since then, I, I definitely... Uh, My advice would be to always just kind of go for it. If there's something where you think you could get sued for, Mm. just do it. And then if you get sued, then congratulate yourselves because it means you're big already.
0: Great advice. (laughs) Incoming contact. User is online.
1: I've got your email. Disgruntled female, every detail, before my eyes. So I responded, I think we bonded, we corresponded responded and watched the sunrise.
0: Guys did an, a, like a, a retirement tour, correct?
2: Yes. Uh, see, I call it farewell. Call, yeah, it's the first time I've heard it referred to as a retirement tour. Ouch, that hurts. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> you're just basically you're putting Prozac to bed. to putting, sleep. Putting yeah. Him to sleep. So we tucked
2: them in. We tucked them in. Yeah. Is there, um,
0: is there a chance that they would ever return, wake up again, come back?
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, we, when we Jay and I made the decision, it was pretty much just because we've had like a really nice run like in the last few years. So mm-hmm. we came back with our first reunion show, uh, um, in was twenty fifteen at Atomic Lollipop Festival,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and like that was just such an awesome experience that kind of propelled us to you know inspired us to write a new album, mm-hmm. which is Forever nineteen ninety nine, and do a tour on that. And then, yeah, we just felt like, well, you know, we could keep doing this, but we, we, we want to end on a high note. So I don't know. Uh, Jay is, is in LA. I'm in Hamilton now. So, yeah, Toronto for many years. And, uh, you know, doing various stuff. He's got, he just had, you know, a second child um and he has a cannabis business that's uh he's been working on for the last couple of years so
0: nice
2: so yeah it felt like you know what let's let's leave this tour on a high note but nice. the, literally the day after the tour ended though and like you know he called me up and we were both like so down we we're like oh my god what have we done because <laughs> yeah it was i mean it was, it's been so much fun and uh you know, just kind of reconnecting with fans and kind of meeting them after every show um, has been a real, it was a real highlight. Yeah. Getting to kind of connect and hear which songs kind of meant something to people. And, you know, it's pretty awesome.
0: Well, that kind of leaves the door open. You never know about the future,
2: right? Well, obviously we don't know. If, <laughs> we don't know if we'll ever be able to play a live show again anyway. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> these post-COVID
2: nineteen days, yeah, I mean, I think we can all we're all living that right now. It's like you don't, you know. I think uh I, you always know on some level that life is uncertain, and you know, you, you know, I can tell myself that it's like, oh yeah, you know, just live in the present. And mm-hmm. You never know what's gonna, tomorrow's going to bring, but literally like you don't really know until something major happens and it's uh the last few weeks have just been yeah it's so bizarre to seeing how everyone on the one hand, just had to react and, and the whole world is affected you know
0: every day I wake up and I think to myself this is this is real life now this is doesn't it's 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 not really sunk in <laughs> you know that it's not sticking in no it's, it's yeah i mean i i'm a, i'm an introvert to some extent so it's i i don't mind the self-isolation myself but i mean if we didn't have the internet i don't know what i would do
2: <laughs> oh are you kidding we'd be killing each other like right now <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> so, yeah no, i mean thank god for the internet um yeah you know it's funny like i me and both my wife too both realized we're like oh we actually are already living like the self-isolation lifestyle because we're usually working from home and uh-huh. you know that kind of stuff so that's okay but I do miss going out to cafes and miss shows a lot like going out you know, for a nice dinner or something the idea yeah yeah but also just being on stage like I am so I mean I would love I mean I guess maybe now it's like it's made me really appreciate that even more so when you say like would they, would you ever do a show? I don't know. I mean, I, I can put my hand up that I'd probably want, I'd want to if it made yeah. sense, but uh, I can't speak for Jay, so we'll see. And
0: you've been very heavily involved in, in being a producer for many years as well, correct?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, that's something I always, I don't know, kind of something I always was interested in. Mm-hmm. but in the Philosopher Kings, we were a whole band of like producers. Like we always each had ambitions of achieving our own visions and working with other people. And I think that's one of the things that was great about the band. Cause we had a lot of different ideas kind of mixed up together, but also like super frustrating. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I mean, even when Prozac, yeah. like even, Actually before Prozac. Yeah. I kind of, Know that I wanted to to start writing for and collaborating with other artists because for me, like the two most fun things to do in the world are performing on stage and writing a song, mm. um, and I love just collaborating. You know, helping an artist kind of achieve their vision or just come up with something that wouldn't have happened if we weren't both there at that time. So mm. yeah, I remember. So what, what was the first thing we did? Definitely, Jack Soul was uh, was one of the early uh songwriting uh projects i worked on outside of the band
0: it was a great
2: I, I, yeah i love yeah I, I really miss hayden too yeah hayden, you know, unfortunately when he passed it was, it was a real shock for a lot of us but um mm-hmm. he yeah one of a kind voice and so yeah we wrote a couple of songs that you know i still i'm super proud of never say goodbye and i uh, never give you love away uh, both from uh from the Sleep, Sleepless album. I was like, what? Sleeping? Sleepless. Um, yeah, yeah. So i always love collaborating, but um, the production side, I think that just was like a skill set that kind of grew over time. Like, Philosopher Kings produced our own stuff, so we learned as we went along. And Jay and I produced Prozac stuff always, so we just kept learning as well. And after we did Saturday People, Jay and I both kind of wanted to okay let's we wanted to give prozac a break for a minute and just and do more uh writing and producing our, like, as a team and so yeah like we worked with before four um, i was gonna come uh, up to uh, that get one down. Yeah. Oh, okay okay <laughs> no
0: no, no you you, you uh you won a juno award for that didn't you for like get down by before four
2: I don't think I wanted to No, I didn't want a Juno for that. Maybe we were up for one, though.
0: Maybe you were nominated. I was going through the Wikipedia. I definitely got I a... You know what?
2: I've got a, a Socan number one for it because it was a number one on the radio. Nice. <laughs> which, is, which is always... Those are the words I like the most. but that was but, like um, a
0: Canadian teenage anthem. We loved that tune. <laughs> we still. <laughs> we were doing a Zoom chat last weekend and all of us put that one on and just bopped to are it. Are you serious? Yeah. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Good. I tell you... Yeah, that's one that's like the DJ would always play now, like before we get on stage. It's like a massive favorite. But mm-hmm. when that that one was, you know, another one. It's like almost every Prozac song that was written just started like with me and Jay laughing hysterically. Okay. At something. And that's, you know, we knew it was good when, when we had that reaction. So after Prozac was big, like, I guess we were a little bit, I don't know if you would say cocky, but maybe. Maybe we were cocky. We were definitely confident. We are like, okay, we know how to write a hit. And okay, let's we got this boy band. Then let's let's have fun with this and let's have fun with them, yeah. um, and do this song about oral sex. <laughs> 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 so, you know, it was it was uh, yeah. So at the time, you know, it was like, I don't know. We just we just thought it was the most hilarious thing, and then it did well. We just you know we were congratulating ourselves. <laughs>
0: Um, who did you get to meet in the business that taught you the most or you know, you were just so excited to meet?
2: Man, I met so many different people. Um, that I've learned like, you know, I've learned something from just like watching someone that we played with, like Al uh Philosopher King's open for Al Green and uh at Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto. And oh, halfway cute. through his show, his mic uh his mic cable went out. So he, you know, he had to sing acoustically and he was just such a pro in that moment. He just like, with one wave of his hand, brought the band down to like a whisper. And he just sang, kept singing it with that falsetto of his and just like filled the space without a mic. And it was just like such a amazing moment of just like react, being in the moment and making it work for you and making a a, a magical moment out of what would have been like a mistake or, you know something terrible so, for some people
0: so memorable yeah to so that, that
2: was lot. a great yeah that was a great show um yeah the thing i remember most, all the other thing about that show is that he uh he came on stage straight from like the side door from his limo with a bag or sorry a, a briefcase with money <laughs> pretty, he had his money like he got like before he got on stage the promoter gave him a briefcase of money, so he got on stage, and then right afterwards he turned around, picked it up, and walked out to the limo and I just thought that was so gangster old school, love- but cool <laughs> very gangster well yeah be you know he had to after you know'm sure so many times when you know he got taken advantage of over the years so yeah. anyway, so Al Green, you know another one was uh awesome moment for me and a very big nineties moment was uh Philosopher Kings when we were on Columbia in the States mm-hmm. um, and for a moment, and we had this tour across the US with all the other Columbia acts at the time. And there was like Maxwell when he was just coming out and like Kenny Lattimore, this big R&B singer at the time. And uh, the, my favorite was the Fugees. So this was when the Fugees were just about to blow up mm-hmm. on their second record, the score. And so, you know, for like it was a 40 day tour across the country in really nice theaters. And so, over the course of the tour, I got to hang out uh, with Lauren Hill, and you know, we were jam backstage on Billie Holiday tunes. And and she introduced me to uh, to some like Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, which I hadn't listened to before that. And Wyclef John, you know.
0: Uh, uh.
2: Other third of the band he was uh he would like trade guitar licks like he'd teach me you know a Haitian guitar lick that he had down and then I'd you know show him some flashy jazz stuff anyway it was just a really really cool experience but that moment where Lauren Hill was just kind of like you know at the peak of her you know creative powers it was pretty awesome
0: oh my goodness yeah and she's such a force like <laughs> that's yeah. really really cool that you got that experience.
2: Yeah, so those are like the cool musical experiences. Other than that, like touring the world with Nelly Furtado um, on her Loose tour was pretty damn cool as well. So I got to basically got to tick off all the the big arenas, that uh, you know venues that I always dreamed of playing, like Wembley Stadium. Uh, we played for uh, Princess Diana Memorial Concert that the Prince, oh. the two princes, put together. And so that was actually, I mean, I think of it was such an epic moment to to get to share. So uh, Nelly was one of the artists and I was in the band. So yeah, we, we got to walk out in front of 90,000 screaming Brits in Wembley and got to meet the princes beforehand. They were all super friendly. Uh, and, yeah, like, everyone was on that bill. It was, like, you know, everyone from, like, Pharrell and, you know, mm-hmm. and Kanye was on it to, um, to like, um, Duran Duran and Tom Jones. Like, it was bizarre.
0: Yeah, that's a cool life experience. I like to hear about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, was, it was a good day. It was a good day.
0: What's um food item, clothing item or toy, whatever you can think of would make you nostalgic for the nineties? What's something that you really like loved back in the day? It that doesn't that's not really around anymore.
2: It's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Oh wow. That's really interesting.
0: You might have to think huh. on that for a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah. I might have to think about that. I'm trying to even remember. It's like I'm so no I mean as far as food i'm kind of more into like classic just food that's that doesn't go to style really. so i'm not okay. sure like i've never been into like candy so much yeah. i know like when we were doing like the first prozac shows like that the one show was like a proper rave and something we were talking about was oh we got to have like a whole candy section
1: mm.
2: you know for all the ravers and and you know glow sticks i guess maybe glow sticks at a dance party that that would be yeah. something that I thought was pretty cool um you yeah. remember those candy soothers they they, they used yes to have. I do remember that yeah, yeah yeah I mean I think you know obviously those were very important at that time for anyone that was taking E. <laughs> <laughs> you needed you needed that if you didn't have that soother it's not a good look for that teeth grinding weird thing that people did anyway oh, what it was all about <laughs> i think so that, wow. that's my take on it but um yeah yeah anyway i'd say cool sticks.
0: cool i like it i like it um do you, what's your current project what are you working on now
2: current project well i have a few things on the go um now that i've as yes, entered my retirement years <laughs> as you put it um well I mean, for myself, I'm doing very like acoustic. um, It's definitely it's a guitar acoustic project that you know for my own solo stuff that I've always wanted to do. So it's pretty much kind of melding all the influences and everything I learned. So a bit of jazz, bit of classical in the technique. It's fingerstyle acoustic um, technique, but the songs I'm writing are super melodic. You know, because that's that's, I think everything I write is, is really melody driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean, right now, you know, that's something I think I always want I, I was thinking of, well, okay, what can I do now and then I can still do in ten, twenty years, you know, and that's that's something like that kind of solo performance mm-hmm. I'd love to do. And so, you know, I'll always do that. So if you go on like my Instagram or you know, Facebook, James Bryan Music yeah i 'll be posting like whoever 's jamming covers um or p- playing some of my originals but that 's that's something fun I like to do now um but you know I love writing I still love writing songs with other artists so i'm i'm working with some super talented you know younger artists um you know canadian artists that people will be hearing more from soon there's uh yeah, gracie ella who 's a really great soulful singer kind of in Amy Winehouse-ish um, world, but definitely her own. Um, there's a really cool guy named Talk, who's from Ottawa, uh, who's just, he's also a really good, cool producer, uh, as well as artist. So we've been doing some work together. Um, yeah, so basically, yeah, still, still writing. Like That's something I'll always love doing.
1: Good.
0: And so we'll tell people to look out for these new artists and look them up and see, see yes,
2: absolutely. what they're all
0: about. And yeah, I apologize for using the term retire. You're much too young
2: to retire. <laughs> you can't backpedal now. Forgive just, me. That's the only thing I'm going to remember from this interview afterwards. <laughs> that's <laughs> not good. Uh, No, uh, that's not true. But I will wake up in a cold sweat tonight, probably. No.
0: That. Retirement. You're a, you're a young guy. You're good. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for the time you spent with me today.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. It's lots of fun. Well, yeah, awesome. I was listening to uh the Mr. Big interview. I thought that was really cool.
0: Oh, thank you. Those yeah. guys were amazing to talk to. That was really really good experience.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was a really good interview, so well, thank so you. Keep it up
0: Thank okay. you and um all the best to you and to your family right now. I hope you guys will be yeah safe take care of yourself thank
2: you will do and and fingers crossed that you know soon we'll be able to get together and hear live music again that's right it will happen eventually yeah we'll get there we'll get there (laughs) okay all right you take take care care. Bye bye Tell me, Simon, what is on your mind? You seem a million miles away. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry, amigo,
1: but it was a year ago on this night that my dear Esperanza dealt her final blow to my vulnerable heart. Milo, is it just me, or is the ocean extra haunting this evening? Hmm... T'was so long ago, and so
2: Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia Podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, Uh taking beer to the next level.
0: One thing we didn't mention in the interview is that Prozac actually released another album in 2017 called Forever 1999. So... Check it out, get it on your digital downloads on your Spotify. And they also have an official music video available on YouTube. So here's a little clip of a song from Forever 1999 called Love
1: Me Tinder. Good morning, what? What was your name? I know you think it's pretty lame. I'm sorry, I just can't recall just what we did, but I believe we did it all. The steps we took. Traced I'm bad with names But good with face I match with you we got a beer we got a beer Or maybe ten And now we're here Oh, oh, oh. We are loving in a modern time Oh, oh, oh You never notice what you're going
0: seriously staying current thank you guys prozac you're amazing thank you so much milo james bryan was fantastic to chat with and i hope to have him back on the show anytime and coming up for the next episode i spoke with speck who was a member of toronto's dream warriors the rap crew um jazz rap, really. It was a really awesome band that had quite a few hits, especially in Canada. So he's now living out of Dubai and he's an industry mogul over there. He's doing all kinds of music work and publishing for the United Arab Emirates. So he'll be on the show next week with me. And also make sure you go and find our, t- our Twitter. I almost said Tinder. Our Twitter account. And vote for your favorite Prozac song. We'll be featuring the winner in next week's episode. You guys take care out there and be safe. Talk to you later. Hit up our Instagram, dope underscore nostalgia. You like Twitter better? That's cool. Nostalgia dope. Or shoot us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.